Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. The work that the University of Limerick um, does is uh, something that we chat about on the show regularly. And uh, over the last few years, uh, they have produced some really interesting research on how criminal networks use and exploit children. Um, and it's happening on a nationwide uh, basis. Uh, unfortunately, it also happens here in Limerick. And Dr. Sean Redmond, professor at UL and principal investigator for this project, is on uh, the line right now. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Joe. Now, first of all, I presume you're delighted by uh, the great reaction that you've got to this latest research. Well, uh, uh, yes. I mean, um, the, the, the research has been kind of received um, very well by um, uh, other people who are involved in uh, this type of, re- type of research and also kind of outside commentary as well. Um, but it just it tells a kind of a dark tale. Um, um, so in, in one way, we're kind of uh, very pleased with the way the research has been um, uh, received. But, um, you know, the story it tells, as I say, is quite a dark one. Now, I remember uh, the original report that you did, uh, the ones recently um, released our follow-ups on it, uh, Greentown. I think it goes back five years now, doesn't it? That's correct, Joe. We spoke about it some time ago. So tell us what that found in essence and what you found now in the follow-up. Well, I suppose in terms of the big picture, it's important to kind of locate this these studies in terms of the big picture around youth crime, because that's what the studies talk about. Um, you know, we have about between 400 and 500,000 young people in the country. Of those, about 12,000 get um, uh, um, uh, detected for crime. And of those, the vast majority kind of grow out of crime by the time that they are in their young adulthood. And there's lots of people now who are adults who may have been cautioned during the diversion program who, if they'd gone to court and got a conviction, might find it difficult to get a job or to leave the country. So it's important to kind of contextualise this particular study. We're talking about a 1,000 children uh, across the state. And um, the original study um, tried to identify more about these young people because... um, um, we had lots of data around, um, you know, young people involved in antisocial behaviour and public order crime, which, you know, isn't pleasant. Uh, but what we know is that most kids grow out of that. But we identified a group of young people who were involved in very serious offences like burglaries and uh, drugs and sale and supply. And we took that uh, data set, if you like, that group of young people, and we tried to find out a place in the country where um, they, uh, lots of young people were involved in this type of crime. And we tried to find out, we tried to lift the lid really on this type of offending behaviour because it's not normal for kids to get involved in this type of stuff. Um, it's very serious offending. And we also kind of, you know, we guessed that uh, because uh, of the way that burglaries are committed and the way that drug sales are kind of... Uh, are committed that there must be adult involvement as well you know from in terms of burglary particularly if you live in the country you know uh, a child might need um, conveyance to a burglary or even intelligence about where to burgle and certainly they may need collaboration in terms of fencing the goods and with uh, children involved in um, drug sales then obviously they tend to be involved in the retail end you know right. small amounts so, of drugs yeah. so put simply this is a process it's a strategy by organised crime to groom children from a very young age to act as their foot soldiers? 
That's precisely it, you know, and, uh, you know, these these young people are kind of a hidden population. You know, you find them in kind of um, uh, um, uh, housing estates, um, um, but, uh, and, and you know, with a lot of these kids, what we found was that they live in the same kind of locations as their parents and their grandparents and other kind of um, family groups as well, and they're easy targets, really, for um, um, crime gangs to recruit them, and it's done in a very insidious way. You know, they um, introduce kids through friends friendship groups, um, getting involved in kind of a party lifestyle. Um, and also, you know, the, I, I, when, when we spoke before, Joe, we were talking about this kind of bling culture that kids drawn towards, um, you know, the Canada Goose um, uh, jackets and all, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't take long, really, um, to run into debt, to suddenly have an obligation. And what seems to be a law of attraction then turns into one of compulsion. Right. Because, you know, it's worth pointing out that kids who find themselves caught up in this, um, it becomes a a replacement for other things that they might uh, aim towards. In other words, being part of the gang in some parts is seen as a good thing by some of these kids. Well, it's, it's, if you, uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at this in a kind of a normal context, then uh, all of us kind of strive to be part of friendship networks. We all want to be part of something, and we want to belong to something which is seen to have, you know, some degree of status. So if you apply that into this kind of bizarre situation where crime gangs need young uh, young people to carry drugs for them, then you can see how the process, uh, in, in, a, in a kind of a bizarre sense, uh, make, is a rational choice for young people as well. Mm. Now, we're chatting to Dr. Sean Redmond from UL about this uh, really interesting new research that they have done about the grooming of children um, around the country by criminal networks. Um, it's worth pointing out uh, that you've done this on an anonymous basis. Um, you didn't want to, and I understand totally why, pick out a particular area of the country and name it. So that's why you have expressions like red town and blue town and, and green town um, in the research. Uh, but uh, academic uh, colleague of UL now with Mary I, previously of University College Cork, Dr. Neil Harrigan has talked to us uh, about this over the years as well. Um, and she's uh, published a, a number of studies and books, including Understanding Limerick and Social Exclusion. One of the things we see with the, the advantaged uh, areas and the advantaged families is really what you're looking at is, is very stable family structures here. People who are really trying to get on, they're trying to keep their kids in school, they're kind of trying to stay on the straight and narrow and, and they're do, trying to do that in circumstances that are really quite difficult and you know, they're the ones who, who want to be involved in say if there's any new scheme going, if there's summer camps, if there's music schools, if they want everything that they can get and they're brilliant in terms of engaging with that. And they have one very dis- one set of needs. But you have another group then, which I would call the disadvantaged of the disadvantaged, and they're really quite different and have different set of needs. And that's actually the context for understanding how the social exclusion produces the crime. Because the disadvantaged of the disadvantaged are, are, are kind of distinct in three ways. First of all, they have unstable family structures. Even if... The, even if people are very much surrounded by their family, the family is often a source of stress rather than a source of support. Um, the second thing is there's huge levels of addiction in those families in terms of drugs, alcohol, gambling, etc. A third aspect, and it's one that really hasn't been, exa- I think, examined in the policy debate at all, is money lending. Because even though a lot of the advantaged families would be dependent on social welfare, and they would actually be technically getting the same income as the disadvantaged families. Because 
for the very disadvantaged, a lot of that income is going to serve addictions, but also it's going into the pockets of money lenders because they've gone to money lenders because of those addictions. In real terms, they're actually experiencing really deep poverty. So they're the people who may have no heat or may have very little in the way of clothing or shoes. Dr. Niamh Howrigan there now of Mary Immaculate College in Limerick and we're chatting to Dr. Sean Redmond who's Principal Investigator for the Greentown Project at the University of uh, Limerick. Uh, and I suppose one of the reasons that uh, we wanted uh, to remember that from Niamh is that there might be a tendency to believe that this is restricted to certain areas of certain towns and cities. As Niamh points out, within those areas there is an eternal battle going on between those who are trying to keep their kids on the straight and narrow and some of the criminal gangs. But it may be coming to a neighbourhood near you if it hasn't already, is the point. Well, I, I suppose just to say, Joe, that um, um, uh, Niamh's study was one of the things that inspired the original Greentown study. It was a terrific study. Um, we kind of clicked it down a level to actually look at some of the individuals who were involved in this network activity, both uh, individuals, uh, both their uh, children and, and in adults. But uh, Niamh's study was a terrific, terrific study. Uh, but, and she's right, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we found in um, in the Greentown study was that you know the vast majority of um, families just kind of keep their heads down and get on with life, you know, try and get the kids to school, um, try and stay out of trouble, try and stop bringing trouble to the door. And by that, I don't mean criminal offences. I mean, you know, um, uh, perhaps reporting to the guards because of some antisocial behaviour, you know, so they, they that's no life either, you know, because, um, you know, uh, they, living in a kind of a situation where it's a constant um, threat or a, 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 a constant threat of potential violence uh, or retribution because of something like a pro-social act of informing the guards because of an antisocial behaviour, then uh, that's that's no life uh, e- either. Um, and, yeah, so uh, um, we, we found kind of similar stuff. Uh, what we did is we drilled it down a little bit more to look at the individual uh, stories and narratives of the uh, kids and the adults involved in the networks. But there may be parts of Limerick and Waterford and Dublin and Galway where people might assume it's not as big a problem in this area. But as we know from talking to Gardaí, you know, the, the spread of drug dealing um, has increased enormously in recent years. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I mean, one of the things we did, we published four studies last week, uh, and one of the studies we published, so we did um, we, we did the original Greentown study, but then we, we did that again in uh, two other areas, in Redtown and in Bluetown. And the reason for that is we just wanted to make sure that uh, Greentown wasn't uh, unique. You know, that um, it wasn't just, we hadn't just landed on something that was a unique phenomenon. Um, but what we also did as well um, was a, a national survey with the juvenile liaison office from Angarda Khanna. So there's about over 120 of these um, these juvenile officers, and they, if you like, are the gateway to the criminal justice system for um, for young people. So they're in a really good position all over the country. You know, be it Mayo or Wexford or Limerick. You know, they they're, they're based in all of the different uh, locations, and critically, every single child who enters the criminal justice system has to go through a, a juvenile liaison officer. So they are really good, if you like. Um, proxy observers to tell us um, what the kind of state of the nation is like. And what they said to us was, look, you know, um, about one in eight of our caseload is um, uh, fits the description of the uh, young people that you've identified in the Greentown study, and it's not confined to urban areas. 
which we thought was um, anecdotally, certainly, that that was the message we were getting. But this provided really solid evidence that um, this isn't just an urban problem. Right. Finally, uh, the government welcoming this study, saying we've a lot to learn from it, uh, promising uh, to uh, change policy to some extent based on it. What can be done? I mean, parents listening this morning, worried about their kids now, worried about their kids' future, would obviously want me to ask that question. Well, I think I think um, you know the, the, the family unit is still a really, really important kind of um, um, support and uh, barrier to to young people becoming involved in crime. But you know, I think as young people get older, they uh, and you, you're right, Joe, to kind of point this out that uh, you know young people gravitate towards other young people. That's where they get their social identity from. But I think the um, that that families and family function is still really, really important, irrespective of how adverse the situation is. Um, Neve's point, which is that you know some families. Uh, for a number of reasons, become uh, more obligated to um, crime gangs, you know, if they run into debt or if they're drug users themselves. Obviously, for those young people, there are added vulnerabilities. And I think one of the good things that's come out of this study um, is that, and we, uh, and you know that in the university, when we try and focus on practical research, that's going to be a benefit to society and the economy more generally. Uh, but with this particular research, um, it, what it's done is it, it, it's been used to develop a new programme. And it's a, a programme which is, I think, first in the world, which tries to combine uh, the law enforcement elements of trying to disrupt networks with intensive family programmes to try and improve um, um, family functioning. So, um, it, so, so from the study has, has, has come a kind of a practical outcome, which is a way to try and disrupt networks, but also provide kids with a route out of that. And what we'll be doing now over the next three years is trialing that in two locations. Again, you know, for good reason, we have to keep them anonymous. But we'll be sharing the learning from um, those um, trial programmes around the country with community groups. Great. OK, well, that sounds as though there could be some really positive outcomes from uh, the excellent research uh, that uh, you and your colleagues have been doing at the University of Limerick that will help us all in the Limerick region and around the country as well and particularly help our young people. Thank you very much for talking uh, to us, a Principal Investigator for the Greentown Project, uh, Dr Sean Redmond of UL. Call Limerick today now on 46 19 95 accepted the package but later realized